0: racing forward Kitchen held up by Harris and around Harris and around Droid oh magnificent Peter Kitchen
1: with the equalizing goal we're not a city we're not a town we're the only one of us around and you know where we can't be found when Saturday comes again we'll be trying to
2: well, good evening, everybody. How are you? It's been an eventful week, hasn't it? Nothing, nothing's ever easy at the Orient, is it? Hey, eh? we 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 are, we are never short of uh, events happening. Howard Gould, how are you, sir?
3: Oh yeah, hey uh, Andy, That's yeah, it. good Please to have you on
2: the microphone. That's the
3: idea. That's it. Yeah, no, I'm really pleased to be here and sitting next to uh, Chores. Haven't seen him for a while. It's really good to see him again. Yeah, Stevie, my thunder. I was about to say we we have a well, guest no, in the I
2: studio tonight, but no, go on. It's all right. You can introduce him. Go on.
3: Well, the one one ninety, Mister Ben Chorley, captain of that uh, of the great team. that we were here to chat to him about when uh, we played the Arsenal. So I'm sure he's going to have some stories for us. But uh, take it from there, mate. Okay, and you're writing yourself, Ben, anyway.
4: I'm good, thank you very much. Yeah, all good. Yeah, um, he hasn't I'm changed, nice folks.
3: Busy. If
2: you've got uh, if you have got mixed cloud, you can tune in on... The, I'll go to the uh, web page and tune in. You can see Ben and uh, Howard. We've got the camera on them. Um, I'm deemed unsuitable for television. Um, <laughs> and uh, over on my right, we've got Richard Priest. Hello, mate. Thank you. Right, how are you?
5: Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah. I'm, in a I'm, good out, mood. I'm out of the camera view as well, right? You're out of the camera I'm view, right,
2: view exactly. as well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was... Uh, we're waiting, hopefully, uh, we've got... Um, Glenn Wilkie, ringing in shortly, give us uh, his opinion on what's uh, been happening. Uh, Howard, last night's match. I mean, we all know what happened at the end, but uh, what a disappointment! I mean, he just—they never got going, did they?
3: Oh, I don't know. You know, um, when you look at the chances we had, it, it, which I think is also in the last couple of games, uh, you know, we just haven't taken chances that we've had, and then we're getting punished. Um, It was bad, but I don't think it was as bad as people, maybe, a lot of the people making out. I mean, with the Kenny situation and him having to go, I guess, uh, percentage-wise, more people are going to say, yes, it's the right decision, because it's a result-based business, and he hasn't been getting the results. But performance-wise, I think we had some decent chances last night, and again, they just weren't buried. And then... uh, what happens happens and the other team go and score and then body language sets in and uh, the boys lose a bit of momentum and, and things happen but I don't think performances have been you know dire dire really really terrible I think we've just been not not, un- not unlucky just maybe the boys not not finishing the chances off so what, what I was having a chat with my uh, with my son yesterday about Dryden and Smith where they couldn't miss you know before Christmas and now everything... I mean, the, the chance he had last night, Smith, he looked like two yards and it, it's gone over the bar from two yards. Uh, that, that's from my distance. Maybe it was a bit further out. I don't know. But it's those type of chances that uh, that we're missing. And poor Drynan, again, has gone through and he's blasted the ball like 50 yards over the bar. And you think, three or four months ago, that's bottom corner. So lots of chances. We're all had a couple as well. Royal, you know, in the first half, one he should have gone through. He was pitter-pattering. You think, get the shot off and by the time he's not got the shot off, he's looking for a penalty. Mm. But God, the Gays has got to have a shot, and then the, the one he scuffed, and you think if he'd buried that in the bottom corner. So th- there were times when we had we had some good play, we just didn't bury the chances, and then we got done with the sucker punch again. So I don't think performances have been that bad, because uh, the, a couple of the away games, we were very unlucky. Bradford, the deflection that went in, um, was it extra the last minute? You know, we just didn't defend very well. Okay, and and uh, Kenny had to take take the bullet, bite the bullet. Unfortunately, I think it's because well, it's as we said, it's uh, results based, and the results have been absolutely awful. We're, we're getting sucked in there, and it's getting really bad.
2: Okay. Well, Glenn Wilkie's uh, joined us down the line. Evening, Glenn. Good evening, chap. Sarah we wheel. Well, it's uh, the the, the, the well, it's the evening after the night before, isn't it? Now, um, you were there, weren't you? And what, what did you make of it all?
6: Last night's game. Yeah.
2: Or the after- there was a game. We were talking about the game.
6: Um, yeah, I d- it was interesting. We we created chances. We looked. We were more chances last night than we have done previously, um, and we have had chances. Um, like, was that Howard or Richard talking? Then I could.
2: That was uh, Howard. He was making sense. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no. Um,
6: yeah, Howard. Yeah, Howard. Sort of, pretty much said it all. Really, we created chances. We're just not scoring goals. Confidence is. Is rock bottom. We know he mixed it up last night with uh, Burrell starting, and but and, and we did create create more. I just saw Co- Coley Parry just uh, tweeted out about 10 minutes ago the xG for last night, and it was higher than the expected goals, it was a lot higher than it has been, and it was it was very good last night. And we should have scored two, three, four, possibly four goals last night, and and that is what has absolutely killed the team. getting points over the last. Month or two, and
2: also it's sort of culminated in in Mr. Jacket getting a sack. Yeah, I mean it's it's a such a terrible run of results, Richard, isn't it? I mean it, it, have, the stats that only matter. I mean I know we've got the guy sending all these different stats, but the only stat that really matters is two points out of thirty.
5: Um, well, I mean it's, it's you know two goals in ten games as well. I mean the, the, mm. the thing is, if you if you if you can't score, you, you're not going to win. You know the best I think going into games at the moment it feels like is we might get a nil nil out of it. You know, the second we went one nil down last night, you just—I've personally felt that you know it's either this is one nil, two nil. We weren't going to score. I mean, even those—I mean, I thought rules for three or four chances in the first half. Two of those were almost—they were almost sitters to me. He should, you know, at least get a shot away or get him in target, and he, and he didn't do that. And you know, Smiths miss. It was about four yards, I think. But I mean, to put that over from there, he was in the five—you know, six-yard box. I mean it was harder to miss that but we're doing better at missing the sitters than we are getting them in and and I think that's why something probably had to change I mean it was the first time for me last night watching where I thought you know what I I think we could be in trouble we might I I knew that he couldn't stay after last night I started thinking for the very first time we might go down here because if you can't score goals you 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 can't get anything all you can get is pick up the odd point on a nil nil Mm. and it it just feels like we can't score and I've never really, know, you know, I've been going over 35 years now. Some people are a lot longer than me. But I've never known us to, you know, I've known us not to score a lot of goals. But just to, to going into games thinking, I can't see us scoring today. I, I, and, and that's what he was getting to. I just thought we're not going to, you know, we, we were defensively good at the start of the season. We were scoring for fun almost. But we weren't winning enough. We were drawing a lot, especially away but you know it's, it's, everything just kind of deserted us and it's, it's so hard to pinpoint it and, and last night really was the first time that I thought I, I, you know I think the manager's got to go I've, you know I hate saying it because I've, you know when we signed him i was like over the moon i, I you know i put money out, i thought it's top seven minimum I thought, we're gonna you know we're gonna well, do it, so well i think
2: everyone did rich I, I, I mean did you get a chance to look at the highlights ben
4: i did yeah i had yeah. a, I had a oh. little uh, nose at it today yeah
2: what was your your view of uh, the, the uh, match what you saw of it I,
4: i'll do plenty of sitting on the fence tonight i think i yeah. know uh, <laughs> you're but right no uh, look I, I think by the sounds of it confidence is he's playing a big part you, you go on a tough run um and I think not just, you know, the playing side of it, I think it goes through the club a little bit. And sometimes when you're low on confidence, you're talking about chances there that Smith would have put away. Early on in the season, you was flying, you know, you were scoring threes and fours on a regular basis. You've hit the nail on the head. When you when you don't score first at this level, uh, the longer you're in games, sometimes they can drift away. And whether that's a mindset of players and, you know, as an expectancy, I think with Leighton Orient, they were a big club for the level, Um yeah, and and it's that side of it, and it starts once you go three games, four games, five games, um, it gets tough. Um, don't get me wrong, Bristol Rovers are flying at the moment; they're on, they're, on, they're riding high and, and they're on a good run. But um, yeah, looking at the game, I thought you had some decent chances. If you if you score first and you take and you take them early, the team that's you know playing away from home has to come out and set up a little bit different. And they have to chase it a little bit more. Maybe gaps would open. Um, sometimes you need one to go in off, off your backside or off your elbow, oh. etc. And, uh, and it can change. But um, yeah, that's what it sounds like you're in at the moment, just a little bit of a rut.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, as far as seasons go, Glenn, I mean, it's one of the worst seasons since 94, 95 re, results-wise, and I hate to say it, obviously, as a side you were in, so you know the, the, the mental state of the players when it, they get these runs where it just isn't happening. I mean, how do you address it? You've been in a dressing room with that, that sort of problem.
6: Change of manager.
2: Well, <laughs> well obviously they did. Um,
6: yeah. <laughs> no, do you know what? Right, the difference back from from when I was playing in that team and when we went on a horrific run was as players in that squad, we, we didn't have any good forwards sort of back end of the season, and you just knew that we wasn't going to get that many opportunities. The difference with the team today is we are creating chances. Last night is a prime example. With We've created four, five, six chances last night, but the ball has just not gone in because of confidence, like Ben says. The player's confidence is is rock bottom. So the the difference with the two teams are, we wasn't creating chances for what we did have on the pitch back in 94-95. Now they are creating chances. I think whatever's going to go on with Matty Harold in, in training this week and and the guys, will it give them a bit of a lift because they know there's going to be someone sitting in the stand potentially watching them. A lot of them are out of contract at the end of the season, so they're planning for their futures at the club and to get a move elsewhere. I, I think it... I, I'm not worried. I'm really not worried about relegation. Um, I think we've got enough in the squad. I think we're creating enough chances. Like Pence says, you get an early chance in this in this division and it, the other team has to come and attack you and, and space does open up and we've got the players as it showed at the beginning of the year that we've got players in them higher positions who are quick and pacey, and we hit teams on the break and, and created a lot of chances and scored a lot of goals early on so I'm, I'm not worried about relegation I just, I just think at, at the moment with the change I think it's come obviously Later than we wanted um, because of the results, uh, supporters, um, and unfortunately for Kenny, because we we'd like the, the change to have in the in the form to have come when he was still in the in the hot seat. But it's just I, I, I don't see any I, I don't see any problems, and I, I think that the players will come good.
2: You do. I mean, do, do you think Kenny ever fully embraced the club, um, Howard? Because. Lots of people say you know, he never, never put a track suit on. And, um, you know, do you think he, he was at a distance or do you think he's just been unfortunate along the way?
3: was oh, a tough one because I, I don't really know him. Not being within the club now, I, I didn't have a chance to get to know him or anything, although there's people I spoke to said he was a very nice guy. Um, it, it did bug me a little bit. I know some people don't care and it, it shouldn't matter, but I, it did bug me that he would never wore his Orient stuff um, on the sidelines. Um, I think you know you should be wear- at least wearing a club crest when you 're representing the club, so there must be a reason for that, and i don 't know if he 's ever been asked. Um, Do you think he probably just maybe had a sponsorship deal that was Well, somebody enforced, mentioned uh, that, or but like that, but... Uh. I-, I wondered why, who would, why would Adidas want to sponsor him, but I don't know. <laughs> what was he doing for Adidas? I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was. Someone should have asked him the question, but um, I don't know. His demeanour never looked like... He, he, he obviously wasn't one of these guys that is uh, up and down the touchline, uh, shouting and bawling. You know, he's one of these that stands back, watches, and maybe does it at half-time. Um, but uh, I don't think he was unlucky because the the, the, the bottom line is, all right, uh, we can we can ask Ben, you know, the players have to take some responsibility and, and do you as a player feel like when the manager gets the sack, how do you feel as a player? Do you take do you take that on board and say, well, that's our fault? Or do you say, well, actually, he told us how to play. Um, he's coaching us during the week um, and the bottom line ends up with him because he's telling us what to do. We're doing it and it's not working. So I don't know. It's a difficult one, but... Like we've already said, it's it's the results. The results are no good. Uh we have to look at the manager. I, I think personally now I, I want. I I thought he would get to uh, he would get this season out. I didn't think we'd get relegated. I thought we'd get this season out because we've lost half the first team. If you look at it, the players that are missing are very good players and I think if he'd had all them back in the pre season, um and he'd add the pre season and then we could go forward next season, but obviously that's not gonna happen now. But uh, he, he just ran out of time. But um, then you've got to say, well, he's apparently, Martin Ling says, he was, he was the one who chose all the players that have come in in January. So they're all his players. And we can see that they're not quite up to it. You know, it, it, the buck stops with him, doesn't it, really?
6: Oh, Howard, so do can do, I just stop in there? Sorry. Go on. What, yeah, go what, on. What then. you just said about the transfer window in January, right? This, this is what I couldn't get my head around. I know there's been a lot of chat about the players that have come in. And, and what's been said at director level, but the success that we had at the beginning of the season, the system we played, uh, with the two the two wing backs were very very important. They got injured. Craig Clay got injured, like a an older head in the midfield. He, he started to play really really well. For, for continued success, I thought we would have gone out in the transfer window and trying to get like for like in those positions, like a bombing on fallback. You know, we didn't... To me, from what I've seen with the players that have come in, yes, they're good players, but they're not... They didn't fit into that system, which we had success with at the beginning of the year. It wasn't a like-for-like replacement. It was, he's OK, he can do a job in that. And then he fiddled around with the system and the formation and everything after that. And I, and that's what I think was one of our biggest downfalls. Now, yes, it's difficult to go out and get players in January and to get like-for-like, but I just thought...
2: It seemed a bit odd with the players we brought in. Ben, uh, we're saying about the dressing room, you know, if, if the manager's gone, how do you feel about it as a player? I mean, if you've not been
4: getting on with him, I suppose you're, you're delighted. Yeah, I was going to say it's very different for. I think it's quite individual that um, there's. I'd like to think I've never been in a changing room where it doesn't affect players. Uh, you have to take it personally because you work all week and you can get every piece of data and information possible um, you step over the white line there has to be a personal pride to it um, whether you've got your family there you've worked all your life to be in a position to, to be a professional footballer so I think there's an ele- there has to be an element of that um, looking at the man next to you in the changing room or in your unit if you're a centre-half with the centre-half next to you there has to be that element to it so and especially if Kenny's bought in his players um, in January or in the summer they should feel it even more so because they're his They're his type, they're they're the profile that that he wanted in the building and and they should feel it. Um, So, yeah, the answer to that question is you'd you'd have problems if if you didn't take it personally and and think about it in your drive home and at the training ground and actually get in a group and discuss it and say, what are we doing wrong? Could we have contributed more? If the answer's ever, we didn't do enough for that manager, then there's problems for sure. yeah, and to answer the other question or, or to look at the other question, I think we certainly know because we got beat 4-1 by you um, through four crosses. Um, so I think that was a big part of your game. I think the two wing-backs, obviously missing them is a big miss. Um, and the two strikers, I think, w- w- would say that, um, you know, when you're getting surfi- service like they was, that they were providing, um, we've done a lot of stuff on it and, and sometimes you can't stop it and you, and you get the opportunity and it's tough to defend against. So if you're missing them... Um, week after week that might be a frustration that's that's something that that can play on people's minds and you have to change it and maybe Kenny didn't think that he had the players and in, in January he's recruited the way he's recruited and, mm. and it hasn't worked out. There's many factors, there's many factors Yeah, to I mean, it.
2: We're, we're not privy, Glenn, to every, everything. Sorry, Rich, I can't even say it. It's, uh, we're not privy to everything but when they say they're Kenny's players, I mean, is it not possible we had a list of maybe three or four players for each position and he got number four choice in every single one rather than one of the top two?
6: Possibly. Uh, yep. Martin then came out and said pretty much similar to that in his interview with uh, a different podcast last no, it's week. No, all right, the Outlook uh, guys, yeah. Yeah, so he, he, he came out and said as much. Now, for whatever reason that is, was it down to to salaries? Could we afford them players, the top two players? Were were they looking, if they're, if they're on the market, and they're, they're looking, are they going to go to a, a club in a higher division or someone in the playoff positions? Are, are they looking around this? there's loads of permutations you know when you're looking at players and but I tell you he's he sort of he's privy to that at Swindon but it's it's just a bit of a strange one um, it's the, the list and the recruitment the way they do it I know it, it seems a bit complicated to, to some people when they can't get their head around it they think the manager should say I want him and the club go out and buy him it. it's not as simple as that it really isn't as simple as that and It comes towards the end of the transfer market or the window. And and people, I wouldn't say panic, but maybe they do panic a little bit because they've got to get someone through the door because they just don't have the numbers and they don't have the squad to compete.
2: Mm. I mean, they've literally admitted that to Nublai was sort of a, a panic. At the last second, um, you know, because looking at his scoring record, he was never going to be uh, the answer, was he, um, to any scoring problems that we've got?
6: Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I know that. I know that they were looking around for a forward uh, for a few, but obviously because Smith got injured uh, pretty late in the window, so they, they obviously needed a replacement. And they and they were searching around, and and that was probably the the best option they could come up with at such short notice. Now it's not ideal, looking at his goal scoring record, but I don't think he's well. From what I've been been told, he's not that he's not that sort of player who plays down the middle and 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 gets your goals. You know, he's he's more of a a wider player in in a front three, and he, he causes a bit of havoc and helps the team on that front, but. They've got him in That they had to get someone in And maybe
5: that was all That was available Who knows I think as well You know Someone like Tom James Was probably You know Everyone was saying it He's probably been One of the best performers In the in the division Up until his injury um, How do you replace Someone like that In January Without spending Six figures Which, which we were never Going to do um, You know Dan Moss I, I haven't seen enough of him But from what I saw He looked okay He's not a like For like replacement He, he looks more of a right back Than a wing back But you know, by all accounts, he was getting rave reviews at Yeovil. I mean, I, I mean, I can only base this off of you know looking on forums or whatever once we sign a player to see what they, the other fans think of him. And they were, you know, they were devastated he left. One of their, I mean, never people like Andros Townsend on loan, and they said it, he was their best ever lone uh Dan Moss. So, you know, when, I, when you see things like that, you think, okay, well, he could be a good you know, replacement for us. I mean, I don't think he's been given a fair chance yet. And from the way Ling spoke about him, I don't know if he's going to get much more of a chance, to be honest, which I, I thought was slightly unfair when I heard it. You know, he's, he hasn't performed so far, but he's, you know, he's just made his league debut. So, I mean, I don't really know what was expected of him straight away. But, you know, I, I I think he's worth another chance. So, I mean, Coleman, I didn't think he had his best game, certainly in the first half last night, but I've been impressed from what I've seen so far. You know, um, I, think there's, he's a, I think he'll come really good. I've got to be honest, I, you know, for the money we've spent on him, I think he looks like he's got a good future and he's a good investment for the club. That's probably the, the Craig Clay replacement. Um, you know, I think that the deadline day itself, the business that we did then, was the, you know, for me, they felt more like the panic buyers, but they were trying to get bodies in. And I think the only issue with that is you look at other teams and who they signed on deadline day. You know, Manchester made a couple of, on, on paper, very good signings for this level. Um, and, you know, we're we getting two blown players from one of them from a team that, is struggling and you know, look like they were going to go down, so I think you know, you're right there, the Glenn. The, um, the deadline day, New Blade would seem to be the classic sort of panic sign, and but we generally always seem to have one of those. But I suppose, as someone in football, it's probably the January window is must be like the worst time to get players in because it's you know, the prices go up, it's hard to get people, it, it just must be so difficult to do. Well, you're not going to get.
2: They're, they're best, are you? Because uh, yeah. they're not going to let the best go. I mean, you there are you know, people who are maybe not in the manager's plans and that's about it, really. I mean, it's we're looking, Ben, at a guy who, who we brought in, Coleman. I don't know if you're aware of him. He was midfield for Kings Lynn. Now, they were one off bottom of the conference. So how difficult is for a lad like that to come in? And, and as the lads have said here, he's actually... You know, he's settled in quite well, he's mm. you know, he set the world alight, but he's, he's done the simple things right, you know, mm. I don't think he's tried to do anything spectacular, which is probably wise, but how difficult is it for a player, not only to try and come in and impress, but they come in from a, a struggling side, they're going into another struggling side now, uh, where the confidence is on the floor, so it must be very hard for him to know how, how to go about trying to impress and uh, impose himself.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think it, it, it'd be feeling the pressure of that a little bit. He, he had a really good upbringing. He was at Reading for a, a, a number of years. I've seen him quite a lot. He's um, he's good on the ball. He's accountable. Um, there was a good side there at Reading that 23s team. He go to Kings Lynn to sort of get his career back on track. Um, so for him to come, at, it is a big move from that conference and that that size club to Leighton Orient. Yeah, be, he'll be coming in the door. He'll want to get on the front foot, and he'll want to try and um, set his stall out. But if you come into a team that's struggling at this moment in time, maybe he'll be doing things that he wouldn't normally be doing, or he might be trying too hard. Um, he'll just be finding his way. So, it, listen, I would say stick with him for sure. He's, he, you know, it would it, be only do he can only do his best for this time being, and, and I'm sure you'll see a different type of player. Soon as you come through this phase, um, but he's got good pedigree. Um, he will be it'll be fine, Coleman. So will Dan Moss. Dan Moss is a he's a good type. Done really well at Yeovil, um, Millwall player. Um, yeah, he, he's got he's got a bit about him, um, and he definitely did do really well at. Uh, at Yeovil, so um, you know
2: a lot about our players, don't you? <laughs> no? Look, it's,
4: it's the level, is it? We, we were speaking earlier, weren't we? You, yeah. you, you really need. I think I would say this, but, but I think you're only as good as your recruitment, at, especially mm. Championship, League One, League Two. I mean, Premier League's very common knowledge, and, and we all mm. and, and everyone looks at that and puts that on a pedestal. But if you if you can really do your due diligence and and know your players at the level, um, and they fit into this st- the structure and the style that you're trying to. Um, to implement then then you'll get the results and yeah I think you, listen squad why I look at your squad I think you, you're okay but it's just about the the, the next step now and and, and what, how you can get get the best from it
2: so what do you do Glenn with um you've got obviously a temporary manager duo I suppose uh, of of Matt Harold with Brian Sarr I mean what 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 advice would you give them I mean are they, are they in with a shout or are they just definitely temporary uh, you know stand-ins
6: Um, At the moment, they look like they're standings from what's been released today. They're a temporary charge. Listen, uh, Cardiff, earlier in the the year when Mick McCarthy got sacked and uh, Morrison stepped up from the under-23s while they were looking for a manager. I think he went on a run and he won four four out of four or something like that. And then all of a sudden, he's he's got a job permanently. So anything could happen With, with Matt. Harold, if he does well, and I really hope he does do well, and for the sake of the team and, and for him, who knows if he, if he goes on a run and wins four out of four, he'll get he'll get the uh, board looking at him a bit more closely and thinking, do we need to go outside of the club to recruit someone else, because mm. he seems to be doing a good job Well I think if he did that
2: Glenn he'd, he'd certainly be, they'd, if he'd got the four wins out of four, I think they'd be leaving it to the end of the season either way for any sort of decision oh. wouldn't they?
6: Oh 100%, 100%. and and, and with them, it's, it's difficult for them. Obviously, they've, they've been working under Kenny Jackett and, and Joe Gallen there, and they've, they've been sort of pushing their the, the management's ideas, you know, across to the players. Now, whether they they agreed with them or not, that that was what they had to do. So coming I mean, Saturday when when they play Carlisle, I, I think the, the main thing about it, and and then I tell you, when you are in a bit of a rut, you you need to everyone's down, everyone's gloomy. It's around a training ground, you know. There's, it's not It's not a happy place when you're losing. And it, and it shouldn't be, because who should be happy when you're losing? But I think this, this week in training, it'll be about the feel-good factor, you know. Just getting spirits raised and, and getting everyone sort of laughing, joking, smiling and enjoying their football again, you know. Just try and build that bit of confidence up. So they go into the game on Saturday not thinking... We're going to lose us so or if we go a goal behind, we go don't score goals. They need to get a response in that kind of way, and, and, and then guys, I, I think they can do that.
4: Well, just to touch on that, what I would say is I, I don't, I played against Matty Howard many, many times. Uh, he always seemed like a good type. Now, how does that equate to him being a manager? I don't know, but he's a striker. Um, very important for you early in the season. Your two strikers were very important. I think this week he'd be doing a lot of. Finishing drills, a lot of feel-good factor stuff, showing them their goals, showing them their previous what they've been doing. And um, Brian Saha was the centre half, so they're be they're good people, um, or they were good characters on the football pitch for sure. They was competitors, so if they can get that environment working this week, and they can work on, you know, their, their skill set is is the defence and the attack. So between a pair of them, if they can get it going, um, you got games coming thick and fast at this at this stage of the season. Um, it only takes one result. We all know football. It, you know, they go and win well. Carlisle with changing again today and have sacked people. Mm. Um, again, come out, come out the blocks. Get, you know, get the first goal. Things all change. Things change very quick. And they haven't got, got a lot of time. Have they? They
2: haven't got a lot of time, Ben, because it was obviously no. they're playing Saturday. So, mm. w- what do you spend your time? Do you spend that time on set pieces, or do you put, spend it on patterns of play? What, what, what would you be doing in their in their position?
4: Um, I think well. Straight away the environment, he's he's right, you you have to change the environment. So when they come in um, today, tomorrow, whenever their first day is, they need to change that environment, get a factor back in, give the boys some black and white, give them why they don't think it's been working and what they're looking to do in the immediate future, um, in the next three days before Carlisle, give them all the information that they need, the right information, and then work on it in training, I think you change the environment you get a smile back on people's faces um you give them what they're good at you show them how that how well they've played this season and you was flying up until uh, until christmas so we sit and watch the swindon videos that, that? Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah hopefully not um <laughs> yeah. no but listen that, that that's all you can do you've got free you've got 3 yeah. days um like i said it's very short amount of time to put his style on mm. it. I mean, I don't know whether you'd want to change that, or he, he maybe change the formation. So first mm. and foremost, if you change the formation, you're giving people different jobs to do. But they've been in football. Listen, between the pair of them, they've been in football a long, yeah. a, an awful long time. And the players will have a respect for him because of what they've done in their careers. I think that they both played for a good 15-20 years. So. Um, they'll have that respect. Um, and listen he's got to do, they, they can only do their very best and to do their very best they'll know the good thing about it is they'll know the players intimately, they'll know what they're about, they'll know their characters. So you might see a few changes come the game uh, Saturday, but it, it'll be for the best, um, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I don't think I think we'll get a positive result myself. I just I just feel that you know there's just a change will come and there will be a breath of fresh air with the players who have not been able to to reenact really what they've been told to do. or have not been happy and comfortable. I don't think in in the formations that have been asked to, to uh, do. I mean, Glenn, they haven't got a lot of time. Ben's touched on it. What would you do Have we got three days with the lads? Exactly the same.
6: Take them out take them down the pub do whatever down the pub
2: there. you're back in 1990 you are <laughs> <laughs> that's the He's regime saying, down yeah, the
6: pan says, you've, got, you've got to change it I'm not saying go down there and get a lotto, just go and have a cup, couple of
1: drinks have a <laughs> chat
6: have, get the old dirty laundry out have a chat like Ben says what, what are you good at what was successful at the beginning of the season give them a bit of love put your arm around them tell them they're the greatest players in League 2 do whatever it takes to get them smiling get them, to, get them believing and get them thinking they were at the beginning of the season. They, those are the boys who, who are still in the team or in the squad who are not injured. You, know, you need you need to get the confidence levels up somehow and then obviously the work on the training pitch needs to happen uh, forwards. We're not scoring. We're conceding goals from set-pieces. You've got to work on that, and they will be working on that. They, they need to. Um, and, and it's just it's Saturday. I know it's a tough one because Carlisle are down there. They've made a change today. Come at the wrong time because that management bounce, and the new management bounce. We don't want it happening against us, but it's it's, it's going to be very tricky Saturday. It'll be, be very tricky. Carlisle has sold out, I think they're away allocation mm. from what I'm led to believe, so they'll have a lot of travelling supporters down there. It will be a tough game, but there will be tweaks in, I'm guessing, tweaks in the starting 11 and the formation, um, and, and you never know what's going to happen. But I think the following game. Um, I'm not sure if we're playing next Tuesday night or it's a Saturday, but to give them a bit more time on the training pitch, just, uh, just to get their ideas across to them players.
2: Right. Well, we're going to hear quickly from Dave Victor, and then we're going to talk to Ben about uh, his career and about being the uh, director of football. Um, are you hanging on the line or are you off, Glenn?
6: I'm, I'm good for another five, ten minutes.
2: All right, well, well I'll, I'll just play uh, uh, Dave's view and then we get your, your views on that and then uh, we'll say ta-ta to you after that then. Okay. All right, mate
0: so many of the Orient faithful, I was excited when Kenny Jackett was appointed in the summer. Kenny brought with him an exceptional record, an impressive win -win rate and some notable promotions. Late Orient's new boss was allowed to bring with him his assistant, and Kenny and Joe Gallon understood and represented the values of our club. They are open, honest, knowledgeable, hard-working men. They had the opportunity to rebuild the squad, and it started so well. Kenny and Joe appeared to be getting the very best out of Craig Clay and Shadrach Ogi. And in Tom James, we'd found a player whose qualities are those of an Orient great. I also appreciated the confidence with which Kenny Jackett spoke about promotion. Performances, especially at Brisbane Road, were full of intent, desire, energy and skill. Theo Archibald, full of tricks. And Harry Smith and Aaron Drinan appeared to have a special understanding. Their goal per minute ratio, outstanding. On the road, we were difficult to beat. It looked that we were set for a special campaign. Performances against Exeter, Bristol Rovers, Sutton, Tremier, and Swindon were appreciated by the faithful. Progress in the FA Cup demonstrated a club moving in the right direction as we started to put up the christmas decorations there was a sense of hope and expectation in e10 all managers need luck kenny had plenty all a bit bad He and the club deserve better. James and Clay, key players, their injury is serious. Paul Smith, clearly an exciting player. We haven't seen enough of him. But it could be argued that all clubs encounter injuries, but no one else felt the effects of the league's inconsistent approach in managing COVID like the O's. Late night did the right thing, fielding players for the match at Tremere. We met the league's criteria of 14 fit men. We put up a fighting display under dreadful circumstances on reflection, just like against Spurs. Late Orient were punished for doing the right thing. Other clubs appeared to use the Covid situation to their advantage. I think if we had played we probably would have been Oldham, Colchester, Bristol Rovers, we might even have taken maximum points off Newport County, but we were denied the opportunity. No other club experienced a six-week um, uh, break without a league match, and when we returned to action, the players looked jaded. They failed to recapture the spark we enjoyed in those heady late autumn days. Even the weather was was against the O's former boss at the weekend the North Yorkshire Snow denying the opportunity to face one of the most poor defences in the division but I believe that you make your own luck and not playing the likes of Wood and Thompson was never explained or understood Kenny chose to bring in young players during the January transfer window and then complained about the lack of experience players often out of position they didn't appear to understand their role constant changes in formation meant that the side lacked identity. 2020 has seen promotion ambitions turn to relegation fears. Against Colchester and in the second half against Salford City, too many players didn't look up for the fight. We have a top eight budget. We've become a bottom seven team. But I enjoyed working with both Kenny and Joe and I feel sad that it's not worked out and it feels that it could have been so different. But our league status is precious and our position at the foot of the form table tells a story. The board have acted and let's hope that the new manager will secure the points needed to avoid relegation and enable the late 9th faithful to once again
2: enjoy coming to the Bray Group Stadium. Well there you go, that's uh, Dave Victor with this week's Victor's View and uh, Glenn? Do you agree with uh, Dave's overview of the uh, event so far?
6: I always agree with Dave. Uh, <laughs> Your always. checks
2: in the post, yeah. <laughs> it's
6: only because I'm the bum into him Saturday, so I bet I've had a I. No, he's he's pretty much spot on, really. Um, he, he's highlighted everything that's gone on at the club, hasn't he? And he, he's the man who knows because he is there at every single game and he sees sees what what's going on. So no, he, he's pretty much on with, with what you said and, and it is a shame you, know, you want your managers to be successful, you don't really want to be changing halfway through the season um, especially after you've just had a transfer window and, and you've brought players in because then players a bit like Dan Kemp last year when Ross Embleton signed him, he, he comes in from West Ham, he, he's like right, let's get cracking, he's been brought into playing a, in, a, in a system in a, in a position in that system and then players have now come in and the manager who's brought him in out the door so what are they thinking you know um, the, the next man in the, in the hot seat whether it's Matty Howard or, or someone after that them players are going to be worried do, do they like me do I, do I fit into the way they play they're, there's all them sort of things you, these players have be worried about but it is what it is and um, we can't change it we've just got to look forward
2: alright Glenn well thanks for joining us mate and take care we'll speak soon
6: thanks guys all the best
2: Ta-da. bye, bye. Right, that was uh, Glenn Wilkie on a rather Dalek-like phone there at the end, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> he's breaking up badly. Let's turn our concentration to our special guest tonight. and uh, Mr Ben Shortley, welcome, sir. Welcome Thank and thanks so very much for coming fun. along. And uh, a little known fact for me anyway, I didn't realise you were an Arsenal boy. You, uh, you started there and uh, had quite yeah. a long time and signed your first professional contract with Arsenal.
4: Yeah, yeah, I went, uh, went there straight from school. Um, sort of moved from South London to North London at 16. Um, yeah, spent six, nearly seven seasons there. Um, won a couple of FA Youth Cups. Had a, listen. Still see the lads today. Had a real. Was lucky. Was in a, in a in an era where we was you know we we won the lot. So um, still very friendly with a lot of the guys there and worked under Don Howe, Neil Banfield, Liam Brady, some fabulous people that mm. that really give me a um, a character uh, that I, I always hone back to now. They, they 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 set you up for life to be honest. Yeah, I mean
2: a big club like Arsenal. I mean, yet yeah, that youth team you were in, how many actually made it into professional football?
4: Um, Roughly about eighty percent. That's high. Yeah, it was at the time. It was a uh, yeah. It was it was a real important time. It was it was a funny because later down the line, we say about Arsenal being a ball that used to bring through youngsters. I mean, at that time, everyone was an international. Um, like I said, we won the FA Youth Cup two years in a row. Um, Pretty much unbeaten for three, four years, but we all went on loan at that at that stage. He was 18. I went out at 18 to Brentford. Mm. Um You just wanted to play games because it, if he wasn't in the reserves, because it was a big first team squad, um, then you was just playing 17s and 19s football every Saturday. So different times to now. Under mm. 23s football, you're, you're in there at 21, 22, 23. You're still you're still in there signing contracts yeah. at 18, 19. If you weren't in the first team. You went out on loan. So
2: so your first um, first,
4: first, first team experience was at Brentford then? Really, 18, yeah. I went on loan to Brentford at 18, oh. yeah.
2: Then um, you had that strange move because you went to Wimbledon, at, mm. just a, a difficult time for their club because mm. they were in the middle of that takeover with uh, Waterman, etc. Um, so you, you ended up being there for several years in two different uh, locations.
4: Yeah, well, I didn't know it was going for a tough time <laughs> when I signed <laughs> there. I, uh, I went there. They actually bought me in the January. Um, I was coming to the end of my contract that year, and like I said, I was 20 going on 21, um, and I wanted to get out and play. And Wimbledon, the crazy gang, was a, they had some real good players there: Neil Shipley, Dave Connolly, Kelvin Davis. It was it was a good side, um, sort of top of the championship at that time. Um, and it wasn't till sort of 12 months down the line we finished eighth in the championship first season. And in the second year, we started hearing some whispers about um, administration. I think we were still at Sellers Park, so Simon Jordan wanted some money for the rent, etc. Mm. Um, and yeah, the changes started happening. And I, and I made the move to, to Milton Keynes and stayed at MK Dons for another sort of three and a half years um, after that. So um, yeah, interesting time that was. It uh, made you grow up quickly.
2: How did the fans treat you from Wimbledon? Because I know I was speaking to Paul Heald, who used to be mm. the Orient keeper. And already mm. said that because he went... MK Dons. he was sort of literally getting hate mail via, via Twitter and he had to take his Twitter off and things like that you know and he said it was getting quite vicious you know
4: yeah did you was, get any uh, problems well to be fair Hildy used to live in a flat below me so I'm not surprised oh. he got a bit of stick to be honest <laughs> with you um, a funny guy no he was at the old he was there a long time before me and I think it, it did hit him hard um, but don't get me wrong I went back to play against AFC women at the end of my career and they did give me stick um, but mm. it's a little bit yeah, I could be here for a long time talking about it. Pete put himself on the line. Um, Milton Keynes was the nearest place that the club could go to. Um, and, you know, he put the money up. And that's where it was at the time. It, it was tough for the players because, like I said, there was a lot of local lads there and lads that, inner city lads that had come through the system. Um, and, and everyone had to move to Milton Keynes. or they got sold. If you was a player like Neil Shippley, he was a Premier League footballer. So it was OK for them. They just went and moved on to Sunderland and Crystal Palace, etc. Um, so, it was it was a funny time, but like I said, you, you, you grew up quick and it stood you in good stead to, for me and my future, in, in my decision-making and my career and my pathway, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you moved about a bit as a player, location-wise, because obviously, mm. you, starting, as we say, in North London at Arsenal, and then over to Wimbledon, up to Milton Keynes, a brief spell in uh, Kent with Gillingham, mm. and then you're off to Merseyside.
4: Yeah, yeah, well, uh, actually, Martin Allen come in to, to Milton Keynes, um, MK Dons, and... Um, it's quite opinionated and, uh, yeah, it lasted a matter of weeks. Tack for um, that, yeah. tack for. <laughs> uh, so uh, we both weren't shrinking violets and, and, it, and it ended up that I went on loan um, to Gillingham, which was good for me, you know, back, um, back to near, near the family and it was uh, a League One club. So um, I was there for a season and then, yeah, ended up, I wanted to make a move. Um, I had no, no baggage in terms of misses, kids, etc. at the time and, and Liverpool, I, I, I really liked Ronnie Moore. I played against his teams at mm. Rotherham. And against Tranmere that year, Um, he looked like an honest person. He looked like a proper manager. Um, And I really liked it up there. Listen, the two years I had up there was was fantastic. Um, Didn't really miss a game. we just finished outside the playoffs both years. um, Met some great people. um, And they're good people. the, The Scousers are good people.
2: Oh you had a good time there, didn't you? Mm. Well, was, uh, 76 uh, league league appearances there, quite a, quite a, quite a stint, really. Yeah. Um, then, of course, the move to uh, London again, and mm. your longest period, really, or oh, most appearances with the club, shall yep. I say, uh, back with the O's. And uh, yeah. what, what, how did that come about, the original move then? Where was the first approach?
4: Um, at that time, uh, I, I just had my little girl. And like you said, I'd been away quite a lot, well, all my career, really. Um, and I wanted to get back down closer to home, uh, to the family. And uh, the, first, uh, yeah, the first contact was from Eddie Hearn, as it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie rang me um, and he was doing some stuff um, at the time. We had pl- played against Leighton Orient, obviously, that year. Um, and we actually won home and away and, and just played well in the games. Um, and yeah, the first contact was made um, and we, we, we had some chats. And I was going uh, to leave, like I said, to get, get back down this, uh, this way. Um, and that's the initial how it happened. It was it was a couple of other London clubs, um, some very close, to one very close to my heart um, that I sort of grew up supporting. Um, but that would have been quite tough in terms, of, you know, I'd have ended up getting hundred tickets every week, um, every home game. So hmm. uh, there were some other chats, and and yeah, once I spoke to Eddie and Barry, uh, as everyone knows, they can uh, they, they, they they can sell sand to Arabs. Yeah. So I, I was yeah. I, I was hooked.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a salesman, Barry. Isn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. Are you going to tell us who the London club is that was close Oh, Millwall, yeah. Millwall, boy, that's fair enough. Yeah, a bit yeah. like Gary Alexander. Yeah, yeah Gaz, was, yeah, yeah, I know
4: Gaz yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. was uh, yeah close to my heart, and, and obviously, Cholton, Phil Parkinson was at Cholton. and it was sort of an, it was known, I made it known that I wanted to get back down this way. So mm. there was sort of a couple of other London clubs, and it just worked out that, like I said, once I spoke to Barry, Eddie, um, and the manager was actually Geraint Williams at the time. Mm. Um, and I had a look at the squad and played against them that season. Uh, yeah, and I just fancied it. I, yeah.
2: I, fancied I mean, how do you remember with Geraint Williams? He came in and he, he initially uh, we were in a situation where we were nailed on for relegation mm-hmm. and uh, he just got, well, however it happened, it was literally a miracle job, wasn't it? He He sort of saved the club from relegation and then just... It just didn't happen, did it? You know, you sort of, I think whether he lost interest or, or, or what, it was, it was a dreadful season the following year, wasn't it? Yeah.
3: Uh, I, I can't, I can't uh, remember much of it, to be honest. But um, Oh, dear. has uh, been the, on the Stellar
2: again. Yeah.
3: No, no. <laughs> no I, the only thing I remember, because uh, that was the first season I'd started to work with the players um, because I was doing a little bit of part-time at the Trust and I had more time on my hands. And I went and spoke to Dave Appenor. Who was a physio, just a physio at the mm. time? And um, Matt Porter said, "We'll go and have a chat with Dave. He Might have something for you to do." And I ended up back at the training ground, which was a terrible training ground in uh, Aldersbrook Road, and it uh, so, uh, something, uh, was something. it Wanstead? Uh, was it not Wanstead? It was. Newbury, it was, uh, by Newbury Station. Right? Yeah, by Newbury Park. Oh The, right. the old uh, yep. fold ground, I think. Oh right. Yeah. And the, the, just you to pull a porter cabin, and <laughs> uh, it, was, it was awful. The pitches were terrible, and um, and Dave was a nice guy. And He said, "Yeah, because g- g- apparently Garren." Um, all he wanted to do was coach the players for a match day. He wasn't interested about any post-training. Uh, After they'd finished training, he didn't get you in the gym or anything like that. He just, that was it. So uh, Dave said, no, we need to get the boys maybe doing a bit of work. So he knew my qualifications, which was in uh, health and fitness. And I started to do a few programs for the for the chaps. And that's how I top of got in with the first team. So I don't remember Geraint's. Uh, career as such down the O's I know he did save us and then I'm not quite sure when Russell came in
2: Well I was going to say to Ben the, the, how was it when when Russell came in or what was the initial reaction from
4: you the troops? Um, yeah he was crackers when he when he first came through the door he was um, yeah that old training ground it, it, funny you should say that because it was it was it was tough. The pitch was tough, but we had a good we had a good spirit about us. To be fair, um, Nuge, Kevin Nuge, who I still speak to today, Kevin did, and both were still very good, very active in football, doing good things. Um, there was a good camaraderie around the place, and once Gerard went and Russell come in, um, he done exactly what we just said there about changing the environment immediately. I'd never really come across um, Russ, but I knew within sort of five minutes of the first meeting what type of person he was. He was a motivator. Um, tactically he would rely on on, on nuge and a training side he would rely on nuge um but he did he, you know we we needed wins at the end of that season yeah. and he and he come in and we got him pretty much straight away um and i knew going in after that season into the pre season that organized and structural wise we would have been we would have been at it because that was that was his background you know um and no, yeah, listen, and then we had some some fantastic times and we knew exactly where we stood. We knew the way our style of play. He changed it and he, and he did tweak it a few times. Um, we lost a few players. Tamika left that, that summer, who I had a good relationship with, etc. Um, and we recruited really well. Um, and we ended up with the squad, obviously, that went on, on a decent run for a couple of years. Um, so, yeah, he, he changed it almost immediately in terms of what was happening around the playing side of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you had to negotiate things for the players, um, you were, we were speaking before we went on air, and so you had a lot, to, a lot of dealings with uh, Mr. Hearn, didn't you? Yeah. And yep. Uh, did you learn about business from Mr. Hearn?
4: Uh, yeah, I did, I did I've <laughs> got to be honest with you, he's a, uh, a massive, massive respect, I always, I always say, I, I'm sure he could, even now I tell some stories, and, and, and it, st- it stood me in good stead for what the role I'm in now, he'd... He was a massive believer. You could read the future. Honestly, I used to sit there sometimes and think, what's he talking about? I remember him talking about the, the table tennis and the snooker and what he was going to do with the darts. And I know this has probably been told hundreds of times, but he actually, when you're looking at him in the eyes, he fully believed it. And he was the same with the football. He would never really be too downbeat. He would come in a changing room now and again. Um, if you'd been on a run where you'd lost two or three or not been great, he would be a, a particular personality. And then once you'd been on a run, he'd call you in and it, whether it was treating you or bringing you down a peg or two or, you know, he'd turn up at some funny times. But he, he, was, he was different class. I can't, I can't talk highly enough of him and, and Matt Paul. I've got to say, at that time, the communication was very good. Um, and yeah, like you say, I used to go and sit in and whether it was the bonus schedule or, or the trip for pre-season and yeah, comical. comical. So you, you,
2: you, you, we were talking before we went on air, and the, the guys weren't in quite then, but you got through. Uh, you got Norwich in the cup, and yep. you've you've beaten Norwich, and you, you sort of uh, tried to negotiate a deal, didn't you?
4: Yeah, yeah. We we well, we, we <laughs> got to the third. Well, if you remember, we had draws then in in the crazy, yeah, um, the in the crazy yeah. game. Yeah. Um, and uh, we we always had a schedule, whether it was bonus or or the set out the plan, uh, the training schedule um and we ended up obviously playing norwich and we played really well in the game 1-1 one, one nil um and we went in the, the next week me and uh, me and doce and uh, and I think Scotty McLeish and we sat down and he said uh, well okay this FA Cup run um next game so this is what's on your schedule but if we draw this team um I'll treat you to to, to this so I said well hold on like we've just beat norwich if we go and draw another championship team or premier league team surely they you know that can double he went ah oh, um, alright we, we'll see if you get a championship here and you beat them away from home um, then come back and talk to me so anyway we drew Swansea obviously went there beat them and uh, there's actually I'm, as I'm walking off the pitch I'm looking up at him laughing as if to say like, see you Monday and he's laughing so we went in had the chat um and we went. We went up to to, to where he is now, the headquarters, Mascals, And uh, he said, "Right, what's the next step, Charlie?" So I said, "Well, look, the way we look at it, obviously the big teams are coming in now. Um, fifth You know, full fifth round coming up." I said, we, "We've beat Norries. We've beat Swansea. They're both at the top of the champ, you know." And he said, uh, "If you get a prem team, um, get me a replay, and uh, we go away somewhere." So I said, "Well, you've got." you got Vegas Vegas locked up with the with the older uh, with a boxing I said you know everyone out there he said oh I'll t- listen if we get a Prem team and we get a draw or if you beat them we'll take you to Vegas so we come out of there we sort of bounced out of there went into the lads the next day on the, on the Wednesday or the Thursday and I said yeah this is what he's going to do but we're sort of a little bit pie in the sky because we're thinking well let's see who we get and obviously on the Sunday it got drawn um I see him a lot, he was down the training ground an awful lot in them two, three weeks, let me tell you. <laughs> but we actually went on a run, I remember Russ calling us in and he was very much trying to downplay it a little bit. Um, I've got it here, we, we we still went four games unbeaten, two wins, two draws, in between draw in Arsenal. Mm. So we're still on that crest of a wave and, and, and like I said in that squad there, there were some good characters, good people and we used to sit down pretty much every morning before we went out on the training pitch and, and go through stuff um, and everyone would talk and everyone would be accountable as you remember. Um, and, and and we maintained it, and then we got the draw, and then we still went unbeaten until the replay with Arsenal. So it was, um, yeah, we, it was it was a good, a good set of lads. Good and set of Vegas, lads, yeah. it was. And Vegas, it was yeah. That, that that's the reason why all the boys running around the pitch with their arms out doing aeroplanes. Um, <laughs> I've been asked about that uh, quite a few times in the past. and never really let on, but that was what it was yeah. And then Eddie starts doing it, and then uh, everyone was in on it in the yeah.
2: end. Yeah, I don't think I've you know I've been at the orange I get many really adrenaline rushes watching it, but I think everybody everybody got that massive rush when Tohu scored that goal yeah. because it was it was just totally unexpected and the fleet of foot that he had there and get that ball through I mean it's something you probably can never do again if you put him in the same position a hundred times but just for that moment and he literally casted it past the keeper didn't he and uh, it was it was just a great great uh, great great moment
4: wasn't it considering we was away from home in every round apart Mm. from you know uh, the first one early on um, oh no even even then we had daggers away and then we went back to back home didn't Mm. we so uh, yeah Jonathan was a um he didn't know what he was going to do from day to day. I used to mark him in training and think, "How's he getting bit?" But he's a big, powerful boy. Mm. Very good lad. Very good, good character. Um, and it was a special occasion, like I said. But we—I know people laugh at it, but we—they were top of the tree at the time, mm. Arsenal. But we were just confident. Like we was—we un, was unbeaten for so long. And um, we knew if we stayed in the game, we'd get an opportunity. And, 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 and you did. And, and for Jonathan, he, he, he did. He came on and he took it. I
2: was, I was standing next to David Pleat, who was the co-commentator for, uh, the, I think, the television. Uh, yeah. And uh, he he literally fell off his seat and and punched the air as the ball went in because obviously he's Spurs and he so uh, he, he he absolutely loved it you know and uh, he was just bemoaning the fact that Orient you know, they, they were quite happy to be one 0 down blah 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 and all of a sudden bang the goal yeah. and everybody went potty but I mean it was it was a great memory and mm. uh, you know one of my, everyone's favourite memories of the recent years I mean just moving on quickly because we got to, co- to cover a little bit of ground in about three minutes mm. uh, obviously you've gone to Stevenage Pompey finished. Non-league with Bromley. Yep. Now you're doing a bit of scouting for uh, Swindon Town, mm. and all of a sudden you've you've got this role now, which is uh, the director of football. Now, how does your role uh,
4: work at that club? um Well, my role. I, I was lucky. I, I was sort of retiring at 35, 36 I um, had, had a year at Bromley at the end, and, and went into this. They needed a, some scouting done, um and I was having a bit of time out, so I done that. Um, I sort of went back to the FA and done some courses, etc. And had a long time in football, so obviously as a career. And um, yeah, the takeover happened, and and I've gone back there as director of football. It's a, it's a great opportunity. Um, it came around through through knowing uh, one of the directors there, and obviously the person that's taken over, uh, Clem. Um, and listen, I'm, I'm massively on the recruitment side of it, and we have a plan and a structure at the football club. Um, We have sort of a three, five, seven-year plan. Um, It's a takeover, so it's a little bit different, um, obviously, to Orient. But I laugh, it's a medium, long-term project, but with immediate results. That's what football is. Mm. Um, And, you know, if you're winning on the pitch, ultimately, whatever happens in a football club comes down to how the football team are doing on the pitch. So my role's very big on the recruitment side and the players coming in. Um, And, you know, where we want to get to, we we have, I had to put an infrastructure in place um, for the staff um, improve lots of different staff the S&C like I said the scouting everything that goes with it um, but, but Swindon I'm, I'm lucky Swindon's a, a big football club for mm. the level um, massive fan base and they've been brilliant this season um, so yeah that, my job is mainly um, on the recruitment side and, and just keeping through sort of micromanaging different parts of the football club and, and, and the staff um, and just making sure the environment right and everyone's on the same page, I think the communication is, is well, I'm finding out, is very big um, on this side of the fence, not the playing side, this side. The communication is key.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a bigger club. Without being disrespectful to, to Orion, it is a bigger club, I think, obviously, Swindon than, than Orion as as we stand. But it, we've got split camps here at Orion. I mean, without, without talking about Martin as a, as, as a person, we've got people who think, at our level, we, we don't need a, a director of football. We've got people who think... It, but we, it's a good setup. I okay. mean, without you, you know, commenting directly on on on, on an individual, mm. why is it important? That even at this level, that, that do we really need? I mean, I'm not asking you to talk yourself out of a job, <laughs> but you know, to justify why we need directors of football in lower league football as compared to maybe a decade ago.
4: Mm. I think um, in terms of cost effective you used to have plenty of scouts um, now now in this day and age you have a lot of analysts that come out of college that do that side of it so it used to be that you would know every name and know every player and I think that's changed a little bit now um, I would say you definitely need a director of football to take the pressure off the manager with the amount of um social media with the amount of stuff that agents in the game uh, they, agents have always been here and you couldn't really do a deal without one if I'm being honest with you you know they play their part um, but there's so much that goes on outside and off the football pitch now where I think a director of football does take the head off headache away from the manager um, the recruitment side is massive um, it's hundreds and hundreds of players and um, to, to manage the budget from obviously the hierarchy they give you an infrastructure they give you a job to do Um, I would say a director of football is very important. Um, I I don't think it matters the level, um, if I'm being honest. I think even the level below um, have directors of football in a conference because it just takes the pressure off. A lot of the managers coming through now um, are are coaches and they want to be on the training pitch as many hours as they can possibly be. So I don't really know how they can do that, get to games, speak to agents, speak to players, do the contracts, know the money, then speak to the hierarchy, tell them where they're at. I, I, I almost find that uh, and I say it to to the head coach, at, where we've got Ben Ghana a lot. Uh, I don't know how you would you would get on and do the role without having bridging that gap what we spoke about earlier between the boardroom and the manager i I think it's extremely important.
2: Right well we could talk all night Ben It's been great having you here Sorry Howard and uh, Rich He was far more interesting No, no, no. Uh, Thanks Ben for coming in Thanks to Glenn earlier Thanks to, to you for listening folks we're, We've got a special um, Chelsea 1972 look back That you can listen to online And uh, we'll be putting that out on the Twitter later as well So, uh, As well as this programme So see you all next week We're not a city We're
1: not a town we're the only one of us around, and you know where we can be found. When Saturday comes again, we'll be trying to do our best to cheer our goals on those on who wear the best. Whatever challenge, whatever test, we'll lay an Orion from each hand Lay an orient from each end. This is our club and we are proud So sing it up and sing it loud We were formed in 1881 clans in Orange and so begun The old story and on it runs Will I and an Orient from each end Whatever challenge has come our way The only faithful On the
4: hour, across Brentwood and Billericay This is